The Daily Sales Show, hosted by Sell Better. Welcome back, everybody, to The Daily Sales Show, where we bring you daily sales advice to help you sell better. I'm your host, Adrian Saya, and today we are here to talk about daily actionable sales tactics to help you hit quota faster. The heat is on. You're going through the month and quotas is creeping up. You wish you would have gotten started earlier. What could you have done to make things go better? Well, we're going to show you that and so much more very shortly. So what are we going to be speaking on today? But before I show you and who our guest is, I want to know, where are you guys tuning in from? Throw it in the chat. I love to see some of these. We're usually worldwide. Ernest, you're going to see people from Boston, like France. We get everywhere. Love to see these. We already got Beth from Delaware, Brett from Austin, Ellie from London. Welcome. Great to have you here. And lastly, Kato from Brazil. Welcome. Love to have you guys here. Great to see you. Let's get into it. So who is our guest and our speaker today? It is Ernest Oahu. He is a senior director and of sales development over at Sixth Sense. Great to have you here. Now, Ernest. What do you think reps can do to set themselves up better at the beginning of the month so that they can hit quota? Yeah, that's a great question. And it's definitely something that, unfortunately, when I first started with an SCR, I had to learn the hard way. And it sounds super simple, but like actually go into the month with a plan. Know yourself with a seller, know where your conversion rates are, know where you've won in the past, create a plan and just like stop, right? Because I think a lot of times we look at our quota, we've got our number and it's like, just go, 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 try to find a way to win. But like, taking a hard look at where you want to be based upon your historical data, knowing how you are as a seller and, you know, pinpointing those areas to focus on. And if you even have to just literally take a day to step back and pull data, look at the right accounts, look at the right contacts, whatever it be, know why and how you're going to hit your number before you go into the month and just sprint from there. Love that. Well, we're about to show you guys a great framework so you can actually make this plan and put it into action very shortly. But before we begin, if you're looking to level up in 2023, we are here to help with our daily sales show and our membership with instant access and training and resources. Be sure to check this out. You can go ahead and scan this QR code. Remember, this membership is designed for individuals and full teams. So be sure to check it out. Visit us at sellbetter.xyz or scan this QR code. So what are we going to be covering today? Now, before I get into this, I want to know who is in the room? Do we have SDRs? Do we have AEs, frontline managers, or senior leadership? Based on this, I can ask certain questions that design to who is in the room. If we have SDRs, SDR questions, AE, AE questions. So be sure to fill this out and let us know. So we're going to show you guys all about this and definitely the tone method. We're going to show you guys what this is for the sponsors and how 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 you can set this up for success for planning. Lastly, we're going to show you guys how to segment your pipeline for quick wins. And lastly, how to craft messaging to immediately hook and convince your prospect. And before we begin, I also wanted to let you guys know about a special drop of the day we have. It is going to be on Monday, our show. Be sure to check it out. It's going to show you guys exactly what you need to know. Be sure to click it. It's going to be really covering how to overcome pricing objections and get into that and so much more. So be sure to check it out and click the link. <laughs> so let's get right into it. Ernest, when it comes to planning your day and how you go about it, what do you like to do? You mentioned this tone method in the pre-call. Can you break this down for me? 
Yeah, most definitely. And this is something that we do literally before every single week starts. It's been paramount for all the team that have led, all of the ways we've been able to scale our organizations. And essentially, it's a tone, right? So tone things for targets, objectives, new, and execution, right? And we talked about earlier of like actually putting a plan in place before the month and quarter starts to make sure you're hitting your number. Doing that on a weekly basis, put yourself in a situation where you'll crush your numbers throughout the course of the month, right? So again, looking at tone, right? So target stands for where I actually stand right now, right? Like being honest with yourself. Are you 10% of your number? Are you 50% or are you 75% of your number? Objectives are, or what essentially, what do I have to do to make that progress to get to get me to where I want to go, right? And if you put a really strong plan in place before the month starts, you should know that, okay, this is a week as an SDR, for example, where I need to make sure I'm calling these personas or going after these accounts or organizing data in this way. But like really taking a hard look and saying, okay, I've already, I already know kind of where I'm at. These are the pieces of the puzzle that I need to focus on, whether it's, uh, again, even from a marketing event standpoint, is this a, am I going to have a program or an event that our marketing team is focusing on to make sure we're driving contacts and engagement from there, right? The third one, which is honestly one of my favorite ones, especially, you know, being an SDR leader is the new portion. And that essentially means like not getting static in how we operate. We all know as sellers that we see all, all over time on, on LinkedIn, et cetera, but like the game is constantly changing. And if you don't have systems in place to test and learn and prove what you're doing, you will fall behind, right? So new essentially stands for uh, putting your yourself or your team in a situation where you're taking time to actually test out different ways to be effective, right? And I think about this way, it's like, you know, we've seen this, we've seen examples in the past where, you know, one person on our team is randomly trying out this tactic of like leaving voicemails on LinkedIn or video on LinkedIn, or they've been able to notice that using this one piece of a job posting is a helpful way to get a, a meeting with someone. But the way as a team we can best capitalize on that is making a culture where everyone is trying something out new every single week with a purpose of driving a result, sharing it more broadly so to find ways to improve the broader team. And then last but not least, uh, you know, obviously the most important part uh, of everything we're doing is executing. So I know kind of where I'm at, what I need to do, what I'm testing out, what exactly do I have to do to execute on that plan to get to where I want to go. And this, this total method, it's definitely a methodology, but it's also more so baked into our culture. Because we know that if you could, you know, honor this and commit to it on a weekly basis, it creates an environment where you have uh, the chance to consistently hit and exceed your numbers. Phenomenal. Now, I'm seeing here that there is a lot of AEs in the room. We have about 49% AEs and 36% SDRs. What do you think they can do to really implement the tone method themselves? Yeah, that's a good question. So I think, you know, taking my SDR hat and going back to my time as an AE, right? A lot of times we can just so focus on the fact that like maybe it's a quarterly number that we have and you know you might not be in a situation where you, you have as much visibility or or, or might on the fact that you, what you do today is going to basically dictate where you're going to go at the end of the month having that that um i'm oh, sorry then a quarter having that lens on the fact that oh yeah like i'm actually for my entire quarterly number only 15 percent of my target and it takes this long for my deals to progress it takes this long for me to get that additional buyer engagement or conversation, especially right now, knowing it's a lot more challenging to get deals done within the environment. But really reminding yourself on what you're focusing on and where you need to go on a weekly basis and executing that is really important, right? And again, going on the whole new aspect too, right? We all know right now that it is a lot more challenging to try and find ways to close deals or a lot more buyers are typically involved in the conversation. What are you doing to test out your language against different personas that maybe you hadn't sold to in the past? A lot of us who are selling to different personas, you know, we are starting to realize that the CFO is critical with how we're, we're driving our conversations and being in a place where you have uh, ways to test out different messaging or, or testing out different negotiation strategies around these personas is important to do as well. But 
having the mindset where you're constantly thinking outside the box to do that is really important. I love that. Now, I want to know from our audience, do you guys plan your objectives at the start of the week? We have a question here for you because I think this can make a huge difference in the way things will go for you and how you can hold yourself accountable to your goals. It happens so if you don't plan, you don't plan. It, it happens, you know, <laughs> you got to start out somewhere. Yeah. And I've been there myself. I'm just hitting. I'm so worried about the next thing. I don't even think about planning. I'm like, look, I just got to tackle what's in front of me and keep it moving. But hey, sometimes it works a lot better if you just got a plan in place. So I would love to hear from you all. Do you guys plan your week at the start? Now, when it comes to setting objectives, right, there can be so many different types of objectives out there for SDRs. How do they know which ones are mission critical? Like they should focus on that one the most. Yeah, that's a good question. And, you know, I, the, I think a, a big challenge, I guess it's got a good problem that's out there right now, is SDRs have access to a lot of data right now from Navigator to Google and your CRM, whatever it may be. So it can be a bit challenging to kind of try to prioritize what you're focusing on. What I've always done and encouraged people to do is to focus on which pieces of data or which piece of opportunity create an environment where you will have much higher likelihood of success, right? And again, everyone has different access to data. It could be through uh, like success, for example, for what we do, being able to show the accounts that are market so people can, uh, so you can know who to go after in a timely fashion, right? Or if it's a situation where you have a, 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 a lens into lost opportunities your CRM, knowing that maybe this is a company that said reach back in three months. And if I do that, then I'll be able to find a way to get a meeting that way. So hmm. whenever data you have, parsing it together, fo focusing on the ones that have the highest conversion rates, and then based upon that, executing to make sure that those are the primary objectives that you have in that week. And again, there's a lot out there, right? It could be with a sixth sense where we, we know who to contact or and why to contact them. It could be lost opportunities. It could even simply be, you know, going through like Google News. But you, being able to pull the data early on the month to figure out what gives you the best chance to succeed should be the number one priority before you start executing. All right. Now, I'm seeing from the question here that we asked, about 39% said that they do plan their, their whole week out and 37% said sometimes with 24% saying no, they do not. Now, for those who are trying to move from that sometimes to a yes, no to a yes, what do you recommend their planning looks like? Do you write a bunch of things on an Excel sheet like I'm planning this on this date, this on this date, or is it just kind of notes? Like what, what does it look like to plan on your end? Yeah, that's a good question. So I highly encourage you all. Everyone has different ways of staying organized. You could be old school like me and, and use a notepad or something. <laughs> you could use uh, some Chrome extensions like Todoist, which are really good ways to set reminders that go to your emails of, of actions you need to do, or if it's simply an Excel sheet where you have everything organized. But it's 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 good to hear in a weird way that a lot of people don't do this because I know that for those who are listening, if you don't, it presents a great opportunity for you to be a lot more organized and effective in the future. Figure out what's the best way for you to stay organized. It could be through, again, you know, notepad or you know sticky notes or Excel sheet, but keep the discipline on it is the most important. I've noticed that like it's really easy to have a list and some objectives you want to focus on every single week, but to do that every single week is challenging. But again, I've you know I've been leading SDR teams as well as an AE and SDR for a period of time, and I know that the people as well as myself who can consistently commit to that, they are a lot more organized and thoughtful, intentional with how they tap their number, and usually it's not very much a surprise whether or not they hit it. I like that. Now, when it comes to the senior leaders who are in the in the room. The tone method feels like it can work really well for really leading your team. You know, you're getting an objective, you're setting it up. How can they implement it effectively? Do you do something at the beginning of the week? Do you gather everyone? What does that look like? 
Yeah, definitely. So I'd highly encourage all the senior leaders, anything like team meeting you have. So first and foremost, having your team stand up on Monday just kind of literally sets the tone <laughs> for the week. <laughs> why it's called tone. Um, <laughs> but the whole purpose is like, I want the team to know where we're going to go, why we're going to go there, what we need to do, and ultimately execute from there. So if you don't have a team meeting, I'd highly encourage you to have it, especially on Mondays, and bake it into your agenda to make sure that everyone knows more or less of what the expectations are and how you can get to where you want to go by the end of the, the month Okay. Now let's talk a little bit about culture. You had a great point out in the pre-call about how the tone method's fantastic and all, but if you really want to implement it effectively, you got to have a culture of family. And this actually went into a great acronym that you had, which was broken down. Can you tell me more about this? Yeah, definitely. So I think, you know, it's often overlooked and not emphasized as much on the fact that culture is something that has to be reinforced literally every single week for you to be able to, to reap the benefits from that. And a culture that we've used in the past year is this acronym here of family. It stands for fun, accountability, mindfulness, integrity, love, and yes. And in particular with that tone, uh, you know, system that we have, that accountability piece is critical, right? So, you know, for you as an individual to know where you want to go, what you have to do, and ultimately how to get there, does require accountability, not just from each person on the team, but as well as the leaders, right? So uh, that's a critical component that we have in there. Another thing that's also important too, that talk about the whole notion of new, right? Of testing out something that's new and it's working uh, that you want to basically share with the prior team. That yes mentality is what I've always noticed, especially as you're scaling teams, like a huge multiplier for your overall effectiveness. And what the yes basically comes down to is like, I'm going to go above and beyond to not only, you know, hit my number, hit my goals, but also make sure I'm helping others across the team hit their goals. And when you think about creating a culture where, you know, literally as someone comes on board, the entire team is reaching out to them to help them learn how to onboard. And then that same person, when they become a senior AE, BDR, leader, whatever it may be, they're doing the exact same thing. It increases your ability to make every single person on the team that much stronger because baked into the fact that there's an expectation that I'm going to help everyone by any means necessary because we would as a team. And the only way you can have that uh, consistently within your arsenal is to literally reinforce it every single week where I'm saying, hey, you know, I'm, I'm on the team right now. I'm seeing that Jessica had an awesome yes and mentality because when this person came on board with the team and, you know, they had some questions, she was the first to jump on board, answer those questions to help this person on board. But when I've created this, this culture on our team where, you know, we're looking for opportunities with that and shouting out individuals who are doing it. And as a result, it continues to multiply and make sure that our culture is a way for us to be effective. I really like that. Now, you mentioned that you want to be able to implement this and hold each other accountable. But not only that, call people out and say, hey, this, you incorporated these attributes so well throughout the week. I really just want to give you props. Uh, I love that. I think it really can be used by anyone in the room. Now, for those who feel like they don't have a strong sense of culture in their organization, it happens. What can they do to slowly implement aspects of family and slowly change things yeah so the really cool thing about culture is anyone can drive it i don't care if you're an intern or if you're a ceo anyone on a team can be that sounding board be that person that's basically like you know echoing across the org and make sure everyone's living it and i i, I could i could take my time with an SCR, for example right like i was always trying to find ways to like share my best practices to the point where it became kind of what was expected and it wasn't driven by the leader but it became expected that not just myself and as well as my peers that we are always trying to up-level each other, right? And that's kind of how I incorporated this whole aspect of family into what my team does. But the most important thing is, you know, everyone has different varying levels of, of culture at the organization. As you mentioned, good or bad, it's not all good. Um, but what I encourage you to do is 
you know, think about your or think about, you know, what kind of people you have within there and take ownership. And, you know, you really can drive at the very least your particular function to make sure that it's a good place for everyone to support each other to the best of their ability. Fantastic. Now, let's talk a little bit about accountability in a tactical sense. How can you best incorporate a feeling of accountability with your peers? Do you just straight up ask them, yo, I need to be held accountable. Can you tell me? <laughs> can you come back to me at the end of the week? And see how I did, or is it more like, a, hey, let's make let's like gamify this and make it an accountability? How do you like to go about this? Yeah, so I think as a peer, like we, you know, part of the, the tone method of targets is we share our broader goals as individuals as well as a team, and we're all very much aligned of what we need to do to get there, right? So if you talk about your entire team structure of like, here's who we are, here's what we need to do, here's how we need to execute, and you realize that there are certain individuals who are not upholding what the broader team needs to execute, then especially in an environment where there's a really strong culture, it's really easy to say like, hey, you know, Billy, like, I see that you're needing some help here. I'd love to do, find a way to help you as you're looking to do more calls or to research more accounts or push on more emails because we know what's in our plan this week. That's going to help us get there. Um, so as a peer, be able to have visibility to what the broader team is doing and be that sounding board or that person that can help them is critical. As a leader, one thing I highly encourage you to do, um, you know, if you create an environment of accountability as a driver for success, use trust first really build some trust with your team to make sure that they they know they can vote to you, they know they can ask you questions in a safe environment. When that happens, it's so much easier uh, to basically hold everyone accountable because there's this trust around like, I need you, you need me, let's get this common goal and we'll eventually get there. I really like that. You really just got to drive it home. Like, hey, we're all in this together. You know, one, it all benefits the whole if I bring you up and you bring me up. So this is great. Now I want to hear from our audience. Put a one in the chat if you feel like your, your culture and your company has one of family with this acronym and put a two if you feel like it's not there yet, but I would like it to be. It happens, like I said, but things change. I'm willing here putting a 1.5. Love to have, <laughs> love to see that. And just a, some twos, some ones is great to see. Uh, it's always a work in progress. Culture isn't a right away thing. It takes time to build. So it's okay if it is a two, it can become a one very easily. So how about when it comes to implementing things for your quota, right? So I know you mentioned in the pre-call that you want to think outside the box. What did you mean by that? And how can reps do it effectively? Yeah, good question. All right. And if I look back to the whole notion of, of new, right? Um, it's very easy to expect what you did last month to be the reason why you're going to be effective this month as well as this, this next quarter and so on, right? But as long as you create an environment where you're like really trying to understand why behind everything, why this one thing works versus this other thing and being naturally curious, you're going to create environments where like, whether you're even like thinking about it or realize it, you're going to start to develop different tactics that will help you be more effective. So I think a great example of this is like, if you know that um, emails tend to work really well when they're short and when they're personalized and relevant and you know it's something that the company actually wants to have a conversation about being able to take that process or that like that elements of an email and thinking about different ways to incorporate that will only increase your ability to be a lot more tactical and effective in the future. So it's like, I think about myself, it's like if, for example, right? So if we're using GIFs as a way to get meetings, if we've known that, you know, GIFs can be really effective as a, as a way to kind of push someone through the funnel and, and ultimately get a meeting with them, I'm going to try to think of like, what is it actually that's the reason why someone's taking meetings with that GIF? Is it because like, you know, they just want the gift. Is it because I sent them at the right time? But the more you can kind of put yourself in a situation where you really understand 
what's the main reason why you're getting that meeting or you're getting that sale or whatever it may be, then you can start thinking outside the box more regularly and honestly more naturally to a point where slowly you'll start to develop tactics that will work really well that maybe you won't even think about in the past. I really liked how you said you're looking at what already works and you're kind of just incorporating it into your flow because that could be very powerful. In sales, there's no such thing as exclusivity when it comes to processes. Everyone's taking everything and just making it better. It's how it works. Now, how about thinking inside of the box when it comes to segmenting your pipeline? You know, this is a very traditional viewpoint, but how do you like to do it correctly to get those low-hanging fruits? Yeah, and, and again, as I mentioned earlier, there's definitely... In a weird way, it's a lot more challenging to do this right now because there's so much data out there. So first and foremost, being in a situation where we kind of see it all in one place. And unfortunately, our, our product actually, you know, Revenue AI for Sales, we actually do that. where you can see all the information you need to basically process our time account. But the most important thing to think about is like, as I mentioned earlier, what pieces of data are going to put me in a situation where I'll have the highest likelihood of success? Segmenting in a way where I know what I can actually handle within a day, a week, et cetera, and focusing on that. So again, I'll use an example of what my team does here. So it's if we have the ability to see that there are these accounts that have this much more likelihood to open an opportunity with us, we see that there are these contacts who are all over our website. They're searching for, you know, there's the psychographic information on them tells us that they really care about these particular topics. I know those are all things that present a great opportunity to source a meeting. So before anything else, I'm going to focus on that. Then after I do that, because again, like, it's not the only thing I'll do one, one given day, I'll focus on the next thing. And it might be that like, okay, here are accounts that have lost opportunities. We know that lost opportunities tactically can be a really good way for A's to re-engage with uh, former opportunities, BDRs to get net new meetings. So I've already got the accounts that we're predicting are most likely to convert. Next will be lost opportunities. I know it's going to be an easy way for at the very least for me to get a response from someone rather than going after someone who um, is cold or is not in market. And then you just kind of go down the pecking order. But, you know, again, the most important thing is if you're looking at finding ways to be more effective with hitting your pipeline goals, start from the top with the highest conversion rate, work your way down, and ultimately use that to get the harmonies you want. I see. Now, how can you incorporate this into the tone method, right? Because if you're going to be using targets, it sounds like you're kind of, you're thinking about this with, okay, if I got this data, it's telling me that these people are more likely to convert. Then is that how you incorporate into the tone method? You make the list for the target at the beginning of the week and then yep. go through with it? 100%. So like specifically with, what, with my, what my team does, we actually look and say, okay, within your territory, you have 100 accounts you can go after at any given point in time. Mm-hmm. Monday morning, of those 100 accounts, 25 of them are in this buying stage that says like, we have a 12 or 15 chance likelihood of opening the opportunity. So I'm going to go after these 12 before anything else. I know that within a given week, I can only go after 25 accounts. So my number one objective is to make sure that within those 12 accounts, I'm going to take a look at all the technographic, psychographic data on those individuals of those companies, why they care about us, what kind of websites they're going on to, and I'll personalize my outreach according to that. Next, and as I mentioned earlier, I can go after roughly 25 accounts within a week. What are the other 13 accounts within our CRM that, or, or maybe not even our CRM, that I can be going after to basically achieve that same level of high conversion and just kind of work my way down. But to your point, like when you are using the tone method, the objective portion is to make sure that you're using the highest level of data first and foremost, and then work your way down. Mm, I like that. Now, William here in the chat asks, where are you sourcing this data? Which is an important question. Where do you get your data? And for those who don't have a tool at their disposal, where do you recommend they look for, for buyer intent? Yeah, good question. So so with Sixth Sense, that with Revenue AI for Sales, we do have the ability to see that. 
So it's very visible for us to see, you know, which account is basically doing the exact same thing that all of our customers did before they opened the opportunity with us. And if I see that, I'm definitely going after those accounts. I can see which I can see which accounts are crawling over our website, searching keywords. And, you know, for us, it's very, it's all one place, all one view. You don't have to click, click around with much stuff or not, tabs, et cetera, et cetera. Now, the reality is some people don't have that. Some people don't even have a CRM, right? Which is totally fine. So what I encourage you to do is if you do have a CRM, take a hard look at any kind of data that's a strong indication for a closed one business. It could be the fact that, you know, the, we have 70 customers of our 70 customers. It was a director of DevOps. That was our main persona that actually bought the product. When I'm looking at my, my account list to go after, I am primarily going to hit the director of DevOps because I know they're associated with our one business and our value prop most closely lies to them. So that's going to make focus this week. Even if you don't have a CRM or if you don't have any customers to look at, taking a look at things that are going on within the industry. This can be done through like Google News, look at your financial reports and saying, what does an engineer or what does a product marketer care about within the industry right now? And because it's something that's very relevant to them, and if I use some good messaging, we'll ultimately kick them over. That's the data I'll use to push to try and get the meeting or conversation I'm looking for. But again, the most important thing, as you mentioned, is like, work your way down. If you have access to data like we do, then yes, I would definitely where you just start because there are conversion rates associated with that. But if you don't, you know, use logic around like one deals, around companies that are closely aligned with your product, things you're seeing within the market, and start working your way down to try and focus on ones that are most likely to convert. I love that. I love that. Really, I like how you said you just got to dig deeper a little bit, see what those reports could be, really go into the trenches of what the account is and see if they have an actual buying trigger that you can utilize. Now, when it comes to that, how much time do you recommend reps spend on this? Because this is always a, I can get lost in the trenches type of topic. So how much time do you recommend people uh, set aside for this? That is a phenomenal question. And before I get into that, what I encourage you all to do, uh, there's actually this website, I think it's called clockify.com. It allows you to like do certain tasks and time yourself for how much time you're actually doing within those tasks. If you feel like you're the person who's spending hours writing one email or doing a lot of account research, please go on the website, look at the tool, calculate it for yourself, and you'll be able to see very objectively how you're doing. But in terms of like what it actually takes to do this research and this, write these emails and do these calls, my main mantra has always been to personalize the limits of your bandwidth. And what that essentially means is, you know, we all only really have about eight hours, give or take, within a day. And you're in a place where, you know, you're personalizing so much or doing so much account research that it's only allowing you to basically, um, yep, clockify. And if it's only allowing you to do like send five emails to look at two accounts and you're doing too much and she needs to scale it back because there is a law of diminishing return. Like, yes, there's a lot of value in like really understanding your personas and what they care about and why they want to buy your product because it does yield an environment of higher quality and higher conversions. But at the end of the day, you gotta come and hit send. You gotta, you know, pick up the phone and actually talk to someone. So use Clockify to see how much time it's taking you to do that research, to write those emails, to do those calls. Uh, I think a good rule of thumb is if it's taking you more than like 20 minutes to per, like do research on an account, pull the contacts in, figure out why you want to contact them, then you're probably spending a little bit too much time aiming for like 10 to 15 minutes. And again, it's really important to have all of the data in one place because when you do have that, it makes it a lot easier instead of like searching around through different sources. Yeah. Um, but focusing on that is kind of a good benchmark to think about. I think with email, for example, Clockify will be really helpful for everyone, especially for those who are probably earlier in their career as SDRs. I've noticed that sometimes people get so focused on like like crafting very best perfect message 
that at times like you know it's great that you, you wrote this awesome email we spent an hour doing them there's no way you can scale that out so yeah you, you kind of just have to hit seven degree um i think for those who are kind of starting out i say a really good thing to focus on is um if you have like a sales engagement platform where they have like snippets and templates and things of that nature that'll ultimately help you but don't spend any more than like 20 minutes 25 minutes on one email that's that's a lot of time to spend and it's going to kind of hurt your ability to be effective with other channels completely i i completely agree with you i think you really hit the nail on the head right there you don't want to spend too much time but at the end of the day you do want to hit send you want to make sure that you send it out there get the data that's the most important part see if what you just did worked and then adjust accordingly and for anyone out there there's clockify i like to use a timer here i have on my on my desk i just put it down it sets to the time oh it's already starting uh but <laughs> so i like to set it across to what it is and then i will work on that task and go go with the flow with it now i see vinny here in the chat says i like to do all my account research late at night so that way when i go to sleep and i wake up in the morning it's already nicely set up for me and i can tackle my day i really like that vinny and if you use that more purposefully as a at scale it works phenomenally it, it's a fantastic tool for success now how about applying your solution towards your prospect's problems, right? Because if you want to meet quota, sometimes it's not one size fits all, but it can be if you think about it a little bit more creatively. How can reps do this? I know you mentioned this in the pre-call, and it's that there are different ways to spin your solution to the problem that a company has. How can you do this effectively? Yeah, and you know, the biggest thing behind that is like, I'd really challenge everyone, and I can say I was a victim to this uh, as an SCR, as an AE, even probably when I first started out my company and work here right now, is people don't really know what their personas do. They only really know what they do to the extent of their product. And what I mean by that is like, I think it's a really good way for all of us, including CEO leaders on this call, to challenge yourself to think like, do I actually know what personas? If you can sit here right now and spend 60 seconds talking about what your, your prospects are measured on, where they want a goal, where they went gold on, where, where, what are the uh, the pitfalls that they typically fall under, and they have nothing to do with their product, you actually know what your personas do. If you can't, I'd highly encourage you all to spend some more time to like actually talk to customers, you know, reading job description. That's kind of how I learned what our personas do and kind of seeing like how they all connect. Because if you really know what they do day in, day out, especially having nothing to do with your product, you can take any piece of information and personalize it and make it relevant to why they should buy your product. And that kind of goes back to the theme around like what I've seen with people who kind of struggle with the account research and emails. A lot of times people are so focused on like, what's the best way for me to send them this? It's just someone that's going to be the most impactful to get to, to get the meeting with them. Mm -hmm. There's not one best way. The best way is to make something that's personalized, relevant to someone to a point where we'll have a conversation with you. And it could be a simple thing that's like, you know, for example, I see, you know, AJ, you have a black shirt on, Six Sense helps companies look at the dark funnel, find accounts that are most relevant to them. Right. So being able to do that quickly on any piece of information is kind of what the main focus on the main focus is. And that's kind of what it seemed to be effective. Fantastic. I want to hear from our audience. Actually, do you guys struggle with making your messaging relevant? Is this kind of a let me think on my feet real quick. What is relevant or is it? Hey, I know exactly what to point out. I know what to do right away. Would love to see it. Yes or no answer. Very quick. Let me know your thoughts. Now, this ties really in really well into crafting messaging, right? What is the secret to crafting a good message? I know in the pre-call, you had a great point that you kind of want to follow a three-step process and it's take some something personal that they have, make it relevant, and then add value. 
Can you break this down a little bit further? Yeah, I definitely can. And this kind of goes back to what we talked about earlier, like what you actually say, actually should say to someone. Now, I do want to start with the bottom here of adding value. One thing I think is really important for people to realize is, you know, people ultimately take meetings with people because we're going to help them do their jobs better or prevent them from making a massive mistake. So if you are in a place where you really know what your prospects care about, what they do day in, day out, what they're gold on, it goes very easy to kind of fall to the funnel, right? But again, like, you know, the whole whole concept of taking personalization, the whole personalization piece is to really hook the prospect with the fact that you actually are paying attention to them and you're not just kind of sending them a blind email or or you're, you're doing a call that's just kind of running through a list randomly. But the way you make it relevant is, again, by really understanding what they do, right? So kind of, Adrian, what we were talking about earlier, it's like seeing that you have a black shirt, that you are a salesperson and taking that back to why a salesperson should buy our product. That's how you take, honestly, at times, almost random piece of information and tie it back to someone, how someone should do their job. But again, the most important thing is adding value. Like, depending on what the person's seniority is, whether they're, I guess, as some people call it below the line, so like more like an executional or above the line, as someone who's more focused on like strategy and, and overall vision of the company. But like, is my message through email, through phone, through social, going to provide value in their ability to be effective as an executioner or as a strategic thinker, a strategic mm-hmm. thinker. And that's the ultimate thought you want to follow. And it's honestly with any channel, I don't really care what it is. It could be social, phone, email, even gifting. You have to follow that funnel in a way where it's relevant to them, personalized, and ultimately helps them do the job better. Now, one big pitfall I see a lot of reps fall into is they make that first message so well personalized, crafted, took time, done. How about the follow-up? Should it also incorporate this, you know, personalization and, and these three points here, or should it be more generic? Yeah, that's a good question. So I think tactically what I encourage you all to do, if you ever read the book, Never Split the Difference, it's a really good book that talks about different negotiation tactics. And in particular, there's one thing in there, it's called Email Magic. It's a really good, like non-value focused follow-up. But the reason why I kind of put that in there is because yes, there is an aspect of like every single message you have to do has to have value of all this framework. But there is an aspect of providing touches to kind of buff things up to make sure that you're still staying top of mind. Uh, and the reality is like not every single follow-up is going to have that. So if you're using some kind of sales engagement platform, like a sales off groove outreach, then yes, your cadence sequence, whatever it may be, does have to be something in a manner that's telling a story of value every single time with a mix of some bumps in there uh, that can be effective. But it is really challenging to have every single message provide that clear value uh, because it's a very tough way to scale your outreach unless you're using some like general AI and things of that nature. Um, but what I've always noticed that, you know, mixing in some of the like email magic from never, never split the difference um, has been helpful as well. Fantastic. Now, Never Split the Difference, it's a fantastic book. Just type it in on Google. It's one of the biggest sales books around. You'll be able to find it. It's very well known in the sales community. Now, Nathaniel here asks, does he have any experience where open rates were high but response rates were low to non-existent. And if so, how did you handle that? Yeah, that's a great question. And if you think about that in theory, what that essentially tells me is you're doing a really good job creating subscribes. You're not doing as great of a job providing value or closing your prospects. And Google actually did a study, um, I remember when they did a couple of years ago, but they noticed that people who are looking at emails actually go in like clockwise format. They're looking at the very top to see kind of, is this relevant to me? And then also, what are you asking? So if you are realizing that like you're having a really strong email open rates, but you're not getting those conversions, take a look at the opening portion of your email, take a look at your, your CTA, make sure they're relevant and personalized to persona. If they're not, then that's exciting because it's an opportunity that you can take advantage of to be more effective. 
Um, if they are, then it, it means that you're maybe not picking with your persona in a way that's relevant to them and kind of going back to the drawing board would be helpful. Fantastic. And we also have tons of shows in the past that cover good email copy that will help strengthen this. So if you guys are struggling with this, be sure to reach out to me after the show. I'll be sure to send you the link to those shows. Now, it looks like our audience, about 65% do struggle with trying to make relevant messaging and 35% saying they have no problem at all. Any advice you would give to them so that they can become better at finding more relevant messaging? Yeah. So I think the number one thing, as I was talking about earlier, is like knowing your persona and you know, we talk about like the discipline of setting objectives throughout the course of the week. There's also an aspect of what you can do to improve yourself aside from just like hitting your number. One thing that I've always found, found very helpful for teams that I've led, even myself, like, you know, we, we never talk about this, but I actually had a career as a, as an athlete before I got into tech and I knew nothing about tech sales. <laughs> so like, I had to tell her all the fly. Uh, but what I did when I was in SCR was I actually set time uh, every single week and read job descriptions for the the companies I was going after to figure out like what is this person actually being gold on what are, what are, what's their manager kind of expecting to do once I come and see and it did take time but you'll start to realize you'll build this like natural acumen where you'll start to really understand what these people are doing and have it have nothing to do with your product um, but then again like if so once you're in a place where you do understand your persona there's a lot of information out there there's almost too much information out there which is a good problem to have. But the more you can focus on what you already have, whether it's like a six cents or anything your CRM and tie it back to their goals, the easier it'll be. All right. Fantastic. Now we have time here for a bit of Q&A, but before we get into it, Ernest, where can the people find you? Yeah, definitely. So you can definitely find me on LinkedIn. I'm one of those people that kind of posts every every now and then. Uh, I actually work at Six Cents as well. And one thing also kind of put out there, uh, so this month we actually just thing called BDR Appreciation Week. It's uh, March 20th to 24th. So any BDRs out there, we actually have a competition where you can do a pitch, you know, put your best out there and see how that goes. Then all, all the leaders out there, I'll drop the uh, the link somewhere in there. Oh, thanks for bringing them in there. But I'll drop the link in there as well, but a good way for you to have your team compete and to participate as well. Fantastic. Now, let's get right into the Q&A. Jace here asks, Ernest, aside from one-on-ones and team meetings, what else do you implement every single week, quarter, or year as a frontline manager? Also, if your reps only have 25 accounts on a given week, what kind of KPIs do you have in place? Yeah, that's a great question. So I, I'd love to probably you know answer that offline because it can kind of go down a rabbit hole and it's very particular to each person. But um, you know, I think the first and foremost, the way we structure a week is each rep has, we have our team meeting we have on Mondays. We have a training session, not a coaching session. I said training because that means that I as a leader have taken a look at the data that says that our team is not calling well. We're not emailing well. We're having a hard time, um, you know, developing these opportunities. And we'll sit down as a team and look at a broader issue that we have and I'll screen everyone on that. And then last but not least, during the one ones at the end of the week, it's obviously focused on pipeline. But the second thing is like as an individual, what is that person working on? Are they uh, are they having a tough time converting on the phone? Are they having a tough time converting emails? Are they maybe not feeling motivated? Because sometimes it's tough as an SDR to, you know, do your job day in, day out. But I have a uh, kind of like every other day structure where it's like, get everyone on the same page, train them, reinforce and risk and repeat that. Now, in terms of KPIs, that's the one that's probably more challenging because it's very contingent upon your business and where your company's at. If you have a company that um, you have few accounts or a lot of accounts, that's going to kind of dictate your overall activity and what you're doing. But, you know, reach out to me on LinkedIn if you have any questions on that. I'm more happy to answer it. All right. Fantastic. Now, Tracy here asked, can can you give an example of how you would personalize a message based on what you found about their tasks, please? 
So I think she means like what you found in the research or what you found in maybe those job descriptions. How would you go about personally personalizing that into a message? Yeah, that's a great question. So I think what we can do is just look at like, if you see that a company is hiring in a certain location or there are certain individuals that they're looking to explore, in that job description will have very specific things they want that person to do to be effective. Now, if you think about that, like whether it's hire a team or build culture or develop a certain product, that is a company goal, right? So you're basically getting company goals through job descriptions and being able to take a company goal, knowing what your product does and why those those personas you're going after are tasked with doing that goal. That's how you make piece of information relevant. And you know, again, there's a lot of information out there, as I mentioned earlier. So it's, you know, can be a, a bit daunting at times to try and piece all those things together. But the most important thing is really knowing what they're trying to do and making it relevant for someone and personalizing it that way. All right. Now, here an anonymous attendee asks, how do you personalize at scale? I can see this being an issue if, you know, you want to always make it relevant. And we, we really preach this home because it's true. But now, how do you do that at scale? Yeah, great question. So I think a really easy thing you can do... Um, so for us, for example, we we actually pull, like if we see that we have X amount of accounts that are on market for our solution, we'll pull a list of all of the accounts, pull all the contacts that are in those accounts by by seniority and persona and say that, okay, there are a hundred accounts that we can go after. There are, you know, 250 CA directors of marketing that we can go after. We're going to call those people because we know that these are accounts that are in market. Here's the here's what we're doing research on. Here's what these personas are passed with those companies. That's a good way for us to arm ourselves as we're doing some kind of call list or calling session. So kind of putting yourself in a situation where you can kind of set those kind of plays up is really effective and we've always had a lot of success with that. All right. Now Evelyn here has, where do you find this data? Example, currently hiring. Now, Evelyn, I do have some advice for you. Go to your the company that you're prospecting into, their LinkedIn page. You'll see a segment there that says jobs. Click that and you'll be able to see that they're actually hiring and they'll have all the positions laid out with job descriptions uh, that you can actually learn more about and look at what positions are open right now. Uh, Ernest, is there, are there any other locations that you'd like to go to? Yeah, I think we you hit the nail on the head there. So, I mean, first and foremost, their website has that great information. Um, different pieces of tech, like I said, I mentioned earlier, Six Sense has that. I know other pieces of tech out there, they offer that information as well. But um, simply going on their website strong, looking at through any kind of tech that you have, there might be a chance that they have that in there. But uh, the most important thing is seeing it and knowing what they care about and then capitalizing it from there. All right. Now, Ernest, this is going to be the final question. I think it's a pretty good one, especially as a team lead. Um, when you coach, how do you think creatively about emails or what guidance do you give people that has helped them really change up their communication style and find a new way to build their outreach? Yeah, that's a great question. So this kind of goes back to what I mentioned earlier. You have to really know the fundamentals of why things work. And that's how you can create uh, environments of creativity. And specifically as a leader, I think you're at least a leader who's asking this question. What I finally encourage you to do is to not tell someone how to be creative, but use like a Socratic approach of questions to kind of pull it out of them, right? So you in your mind might have some different ideas or thoughts around how to drive creativity. Keeping that in the back of your mind and using questions to try and pull it out and get the person who you're, you're coaching to kind of realize it on their own, that's what I encourage you to do. So it can be a simple thing like, so say you um, you have a certain contact that is maybe connected to one of your customers, right? And you have a really creative way for uh, your SDR to get a meeting is to reference that, right? So doing a simple thing of like pulling up that person's LinkedIn, having the ability to see you know all their information, like what school they went to, their about me section, 
and that little tiny portion of their mutual connections, kind of getting them to realize like, oh, wait, I should probably look at the mutual connections and see that this person is actually connected to one of our strongest customers. And that's a really good way for me to write a creative email. So you first and foremost doing your own research ahead of time and trying to figure those things out and then coming loaded in the back of your head. And when you're having those, those sessions with your team, know what it is, ask really good questions and you'd be surprised. They might even think of different things that you weren't even thinking about yourself. Phenomenal. That is great to hear. So guys, just to recap real quick, be sure to make sure your messaging has something personal, make it relevant. You want to add value. Don't be afraid to use the tone method to set yourself up for success at the beginning of the week and think outside of the box of the traditional avenues if you really want to hit those numbers to hit your quota. Well, Ernest, this has been a phenomenal conversation. Thank you so much for joining us. And thank you so much to our audience for joining us here again. Great to see you all here. And of course, we will catch you all on the next one. See you later.